This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. We're on a series that we're calling Living a Life of Faith. Living a Life of Faith. And this, you know, today is for, for everybody. If you're a teenager, it's, it's no better time to learn to live a life of faith than right now. Right now. And faith is not something that we dabble in. It's not, it's not a subject that we study every once in a while. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's to be a lifestyle to us. And it's not something that we can just take it or leave, leave it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's so necessary that we learn to live by faith. Live by faith. Now, I mean, think about this. You can't get saved without living by faith. You can't receive from God without faith. You can't overcome the world without faith. You can't please God without faith. So it's not something that we can just, we can just take or leave. And it's not about being a faith church. Or I mean, if, if you're not a faith church, you're not even born again. Right? So that does, I mean, I realize that we might, there might be some different degrees and levels that churches go to in this. But hey, for us, I just think we ought to be full-blown faith and please God and learn to live this way and receive from God and, and just live on the level that God's called us to. But I found this, you found this, that there are enemies to our faith. There are enemies to faith. And um, there are challenges to living by faith. If it wasn't a challenge, everybody would do it. And the reason a lot of times that everybody's not living this way is because they're challenged in it and they have an experience that doesn't, they have an experience that doesn't rise up to the level of God's word. And so instead of believing God for their experience to come up, they bring the word down, they bring the, 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 the intensity of the word down, and they say, just so, well, this is the way it is. And so there's some challenges to faith. And I want to deal with one of those challenges today, and then I want to show us how we can, we can overcome that and get beyond it. But one of the greatest, let me, let me read a couple of scriptures first and then we're going to get into it. In Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, it says this, and my righteous ones will live by faith. Now, righteous ones are those, not, not the do-gooders. It's not, you know, the righteous doesn't mean that you're perfect. Righteous doesn't mean that you're morally sound. Righteous means that you have received Christ, that you've been born again, that you have, you've accepted the sacrifice of Christ and what he did for you, not what you can do for yourself. You've been washed in his blood. You've been cleansed. You've been made righteous. And righteousness just means that you are right with God. You're right with him. And you're right with God, not based upon your effort, not based upon what you've done, not based upon your performance, not based upon your conduct, but based on what Jesus did, period. And so if you receive what Christ did for you, then you become the righteousness of God. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we're righteous in him because of what Jesus did for us. So he said, my righteous ones will live by faith. Everybody say live by faith. He goes on to say, but I will take no pleasure. Now this is God talking. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. <laughs> turns away from what? 
What are you turning away from? You're turning away from God, turning away from living by faith. He said, I I won't take any pleasure in anyone who turns away, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. He says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. So God, he doesn't take pleasure in anyone who turns away. So you need to know this. When you're living a life of faith, when you're walking by faith, you're pleasing God. You can can be in the midst of a test or a trial, but living and walking by faith, and you're pleasing God. Amen. So how many of you believe it's important that we live and we walk by faith? But I want to talk to you, and and I I titled this message as Fighting for Faith, because there are challenges to living by faith. There There are enemies to our faith. There are things that will, that will come and try to persuade you not to live this way or to water the Word of God down. I'm not going to water the Word of God down for anybody. I mean, the Word is the Word. I mean, this thing's forever settled in heaven. It's been tested. It's been tried. So I said, well, I tried it. No, you didn't try it. It tried you. You don't try the Word. The Word will try you. It'll test you. And so one of the biggest challenges to our faith, if you, if, you, if you and I allow it, one of the biggest challenges to our faith will be the experience or lack of experience of others. It'll be the experience of others or the lack of experience of others. The doubt and the unbelief of others. That will challenge your faith. And uh, if you allow it, if you allow it, it'll challenge your faith. You know, and it can come across in questions and statements that arise when someone does not receive an answer to prayer. Or when something happens. And then all these questions, you know, well, you know, Everything happens for a reason. And uh, I used to get mad about that. I, I used to get mad and, and irritated about that statement. I don't get mad and irritated anymore. I, I get my heart is moved. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm not hurt from God. He can take it from Steph, but people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so it hurts me for them because they don't know what they're saying. And so, you know, everything happens for a reason. Y'all have heard that. Maybe you've said that. And a lot of times we say things like that when we don't understand. And so, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, Or a question, you know, or a statement like this, that, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Is that true? Yeah. That is true. But when people say things like this, when they say things like everything happens for a reason or sometimes bad things happen to good people, you know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. They know what they're saying is somehow 
God has his hand in this. Somehow God is part of something that has gone bad. Are y'all listening to me? Somehow God has had his hand in it. And we're going, we're going to answer this question in just a minute. Why sometimes bad things happen to good people? We're going to answer the question from God's Word. How many of you, that's the only solid answer we can have, is from God's Word. We don't need to look for another answer. We need to find the answer in God's Word because that's the truth. And it's the truth that will make you free. And so, uh, you know, people say, well, we, you know, we just don't understand. Or, you know, how could, why could, or why would a loving God allow such and such to happen? Well, I mean, I think that question needs to be answered. I mean, I think that'd be a great question to be answered. But God allowing something and God having his hand in something is two different things. God permitting something and God committing something is two different things. And so I I want us to, to answer this. So Let's just answer the question, why sometimes do bad things happen to good people? Now, this is going to help your faith. This is, going, this is just going to cause your faith to come up, especially when we get to the answer. Because, uh, you know, there, Jesus, there, there's this little boy born blind, and, and the disciples came to Jesus. And, and you know, the, the custom back then is if someone was born with something, an illness or or if something bad happened, you know, the question would be, who sinned? Was it, was it the person who's afflicted, or was it his parents? And Jesus dispelled all of that. And that same question, you know, what did I do wrong to deserve this? I'm a good person. You know, most people are pretty good. Did you know that? Most people are. I mean, I mean, you get down to it. Most people are pretty good. And uh, so, one way you say, "What did we do to deserve this?" Well, uh, you know, plenty. But then, on the other hand, maybe not anything. So, why do bad things happen to good people sometimes? And so, I want to give you. I want to give you three reasons because you know, God. God gets blamed for a lot. Or it's an insinuation that God did it. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't produce faith in my heart towards God. That, that kind of puts me on edge with God. So he said, he's sovereign. Well, how do, where, do you, where do you get that? And I realize God, he's, he's self-existent, but... Does sovereign mean that God just does whatever he wants to do? If he does, it goes against the word. God doesn't do whatever he wants to do. 
He's bound himself by his word. He will never operate outside of the reins of his word. He will do what he said he will do. And he won't do anything other than what he said he will do. Are you listening? So God just can't do whatever. He can't make anybody get saved. And it's his will that all be saved, but he's not going to force it on anybody. He's not going to make anyone follow him, but yet he desires that all follow him. So he's not sovereign in that respect, that he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. So um, a lot of times when, when bad things happen, people, and I understand, people are, are they're looking for, they're, they're, they're wanting to understand. They're wanting to get their mind around it. They're wanting some answers. And so, you know, if, if, I, can just, if I can come up with something that just kind of makes me feel a little bit better about this, well, that can cope with it. But the problem is, you don't cope with it. So, y'all, y'all want some answers? Why do sometimes bad things happen to good people? Number one reason. Well, I say number one, this is one reason. People make mistakes. That's not real spiritual, is it? People make mistakes. Have you ever made a mistake? (laughs) Have you ever made more than one mistake? Yeah. I've made mistakes. And so people make mistakes. We are not perfect people. Has anybody ever told you that before? <laughs> that, that you're not perfect? That you may, I, and I realize this isn't real spiritual, but you see, we, some, uh, sometimes we want to spiritualize everything that it's somehow, you know, man, what, what, I know God has something in mind, but what is it? So people make mistakes. Number two, we live in a fallen world, which is one reason that people make mistakes. We live in a fallen world. This world is, it hasn't evolved, it's devolved. From, I mean, this place, this planet looks nothing like it did before Adam sinned. Before Adam sinned, this, this, it was paradise. It was, it was perfect. Nothing died. Nothing wilted. Nothing grew old. It was perfect. But Romans 5 says, when Adam sinned, everybody say, when Adam sinned. When Adam sinned. Not before Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. When Adam sinned. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and they'd gotten a report from the doctor. They, they were, and they were kind of shocked. You know, the doctor said I was going to die. And I'm thinking, 
we're all going to die. <laughs> Every, everybody's going to die. I mean, unless Jesus comes back, I mean, eventually, everybody's going to die. It shouldn't be a shocker, but you're going to die one day. Is that right? Hey, if you're a believer, you just got, you got all of your life to look forward to. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Did you realize that before sin entered into the world, there was no death? There's three kind of deaths mentioned in the Bible. There's, there's spiritual death, which is a separation from God. Then there's, you know, we talk about death, physical death, when your, your spirit is separated from your body. That's, that's physical death. But then there's the eternal death when you're eternally, your spirit is eternally separated from God. And the only way that you can enter into eternal death is if, if you experience physical death without a relationship with Christ. That's why you need to have a relationship with Christ. You need to make the decision beforehand. Can't nobody pray you out of purgatory. Okay. So we, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-sick, fallen world and we are accident prone, and this world is accident prone. Is that right? It just, I mean, we, this place is not perfect. It's not perfect. There's natural disasters, and there's, there's all kind of things. So that's number two. Number three, we have an enemy. I don't know if you knew that or not. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? We have an enemy. Listen to these verses in Ephesians 6.12. says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Most people are fighting flesh and blood enemies when they ought to be fighting somebody else or something else. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We have, a, there, we have an enemy, and Paul says that we're fighting against this enemy, or we should be fighting against, instead of fighting our husband, or our wife, or our kids, or our co-workers, a lot of times what's going on, what's back of that is another entity. Amen. And so we, we have an enemy. John 10, 10, 10, 10 says this. Not John 10, 10, 10, just John 10, 10. <laughs> says the thief's purpose is to what? So why does God get blamed for that? Why, why does God get blamed for the Stealing, the killing, and the destroying. Because he does. And people won't just come right out and say it, but they'll, you know, everything happens for a reason. The insinuation is God had something to do with that. You know that's the insinuation. God had something to do with it. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes 
bad things happen to good people. The insinuation is God has some kind of mysterious plan going on here and something he's, or, you know, I know what's God trying to, you know, God's trying to teach, teach something. No, no, it's none of that, though. You and I have an enemy, and our enemy is not God. He is, God is not our enemy. God is good. He, he's good and he does good. He wakes up every morning. Of course, he doesn't wake up because he never sleeps. But, I mean, he's always, his dial is always set on good. He's always disposed to show mercy and, and kindness to us. He's always good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is good and he does good. I mean, if you read Psalms, especially Psalm 119, I bet he says it 50 times. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. So, so he, he's a good God. So, but the thief is not good. The devil's not good. Did y'all know that? He, he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his purpose. Now, 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, so if, if we know that we have an enemy... And we should be fighting against this enemy. I don't mean looking for a devil under every rock, but I mean, I mean when something comes up, you need to say, hey, is this, is this just, did I just make a mistake? Or is this, is this just something natural going on? Or do I have, is, is the enemy behind this? I don't mean you fight devils all the time. You, you need to be more God conscious than you are devil conscious. You need to be more Jesus conscious than you are devil conscious, but you do have an enemy and you can't ignore him. And so Peter says this, stay alert. Stay alert. Should you do those two words? Should I do those two words? Stay alert. Why are we going to stay alert? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That lets me know right there. He can't devour anyone. He can't devour just anyone. He, he's looking. He, he looks for an opening. He looks for a weakness. He, he's looking. And so Paul, I mean, Peter said this, stay alert. Stay alert. So those are, three, those are three reasons. There's probably more reasons why. Those are three reasons why sometimes bad things happen to good people. Number one, we make mistakes. Number two, we live in a fallen world. Number three, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Now, but we also have God. Y'all ready to get happy? <laughs> we also have a God. In, in, in Corinthians, I mean, he, you know, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6 or 1 Corinthians 3. God said this, he says, come out, he tells his people, come out from among them, separate yourself, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And often I've, oh, what does it say? I will be your God. I will be your God. What does it mean for him to be your God? He did three things for his people in Israel. He led them, 
He provided for them, and he protected them. And he wants to be your God, and he wants to do the same thing for you and I. He wants to, he wants to lead us and guide us. He wants to provide for us, and he wants to protect us. Everybody say he wants to protect us. And I don't, I don't mean there's one or two isolated verses in the Bible. I mean it's all over the place that God says, I want to protect you. I want to be your protector. I want to keep you safe. Listen to these verses. In Psalm 14, 6, he says, but the Lord will protect his people. Are you one of his people? You got a promise. And I wish somebody would get excited about this. He said, but the Lord will protect his people. Psalm 18, 2 says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Pretty good promise right there. Psalm 18.30 says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Well, it's just all up to God. No, it isn't either. He's a shield to all who look to him. Look to him. Psalm 27, 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Shouldn't live, shouldn't live afraid. Well, I'm just afraid something bad's going to happen. You better get that out of your head. Get it out of your heart. Get your mind on something else. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress. I mean, look at the... Think about these words that David is using to describe how God protects. He said, he is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? So God desires to protect you and I. He, he has promised, and that's just a few verses. I mean, you can look it up for yourself. It goes on and on and on and on. God desires to protect his people. You say, well, if he desires to protect his people, why don't he just do it? Because he's not the only one involved in this. People want him to be the only one involved. They want to do whatever and let God just take care of it. But he didn't say, he says he, he, he's a fortress, he's a protector, he's a shield to all who look to him. All who look to him, look to him. I mean, to look to someone for something, I mean, you gotta, you kind of got to have your eyes on them. You got to be thinking about it, right? If you're looking to someone, you, you got your mind on it, you're thinking about it, you're, you're anticipating it, you are, I mean, you're engaged in it. You're not just dissolved of it. You're not separated from it. You don't go three or four weeks and not even think about it. You listening? I mean, one of the, the most famous protection verses, Psalm 91, the whole chapter. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, He is my God, in Him will I trust. He talks about those, you know, a thousand falling at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't come near you. 
Everybody say protection. protection. So you've got to fight for this. Because there's all kind of voices. And there's all kind of discouragements. And there's all kind of experiences. You've got to fight for this. I've got to fight for this. So, if it's not all up to God, and we have a part to play, what is our part? Believing, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to believe. And that's good. That's a great place to start. But I want to talk to you just for a minute. And I know this, this message is kind of, kind of hitting three, three things here, but I want to talk to you about this. How does God protect us? How does he do it? And, you know, sure, God could, I mean, you could just be oblivious to the danger around you. And God, in his mercy, he protects you. Thank God, he, he's probably done it more than we realize. You know, by his angels and more than we realize. But uh, I don't think we should just put it in automatic and live like that. We need to consciously look to him as our protector. So how does he protect? Now, I'm going to just give you one big way that God protects us. And it is going, I mean, and a lot of the responsibility is going to land right in our lap on this. But, it, but it's so important. Psalm 32.8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and what? Watch over you. Now, what does it mean to watch over us? Wouldn't that mean protection? If I, if I leave my kids somewhere, the other day I left my kids at the ball game, and I called Becky, and I said, hey, I'm leaving Luke for a little while. I'm going to a meeting, and I, can you kind of watch him? What I mean? Protecting. So when you, when you, hey, can you watch my kids? Well, you say, I want you to kind of keep your eye on them, protect them. Right? So he says, I will guide you. Everybody say, guide you. Guide you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Does God have a best pathway for your life? Does he ha I mean, does he have a best pathway? Well, if there's a best pathway for your life, there's, a, there's, there's another pathway or multiple, multiple other pathways that are not the best for your life. And I'm convinced, and I mean, it's happened in my life, that there's a lot of things that I've gotten involved in, and there's a lot of places that I found myself that it was not God's will for me to be there, for me to be involved in it. And it wasn't God's fault. You know, hindsight is 2020, or even better, you can look back and say, man, God was dealing with me about that. Why did I do that? And you can see we, God was dealing with me about that. I shouldn't have done that. So he said he would guide us. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the maturing ones. These are the children of God. So he said, I will guide you. Talking about being led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So that's how he, so let me say it like this. How does God protect us? He leads us. You know, you cannot separate living by faith 
from being led by God's Holy Spirit. You can't separate those. You say, well, I'm going to just go do this, and I'm, just, I'm going to just trust God that it's going to work out. It don't work like that. Well, I'm going to just go over here, and I'm going to buy this, and I'm going to just trust God that, you know, that he's going, he's going to give me the money to make the payments. It doesn't work like that. That is not faith. That's foolishness. That's presumption. That's not faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing from God first. Y'all listen? So how does God protect us? He leads us. He will will lead you. He will guide you along the best pathway for your life. And look, the best pathway of your life, it doesn't involve bad. Now, don't don't misunderstand. When I say bad, you're going to be tested in life. This flesh is going to test you. You're going to have some trials. You're going to go through some, I mean, and really when, when the Bible talks about suffering, he's not talking about suffering sickness and disease or tragedy or disaster. He's talking about suffering in your flesh like Jesus suffered in his flesh. I mean, just the, I mean, just the, all the pressure against him and everything against him. And so God's going to lead you along the best pathway for your life. But leading involves following, doesn't it? I mean, if we play follow the leader, and I say, all right, John, I want you to follow me. We're going to play follow the leader. I'm the leader. You follow me. And I go this way, and he goes that way. Guess what? He's not following me. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit's going this way, and we're going that way. We're not following him. We're doing what we want to do. So we need to learn, and I don't have time to teach this today. We'll be here, you know, 14 more hours. But we need to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more important in life, in my opinion, than learning to hear from God, being led by God. There's nothing more important, period, in life. The answer to a thousand and one questions is be led. So let me me just give you a couple of keys. Because he says those who, what what do you say in this verse? Those who... uh, uh, let me find it. Where's that verse we read about watching him? Y'all didn't write it down. I'm going to stay here until I find it. Yeah, what verse is that? Oh, yeah, right there in front of me. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. And so let's combine that with being led by the Holy Spirit because we have to look to him, but if if, if you look to him, you can follow him. You know, I, I heard this story. This lady, she uh, she just gotten saved, 
Man, she's just full of zeal. I mean, God done, done some great things for her. And she, she, came out of, she came out of a lifestyle of prostitution and came off the streets and, I mean, just came from a, a rough area. And so she got saved, and, and I mean, it was, just, it was just a bad, bad area where, you know, she was. And, and so she said, you, you know, I'm going to go back down there, and I'm going I'm to minister to those people. Well, she'd been beat up down there, you know, a number of times. So she went back down there, and she got beat up. And she came and said, well, I don't understand. I don't understand why that happened. I went down there, and I was just trusting God to protect me. And so the person said, did he tell you to go? And she goes, no, I, I felt like I wasn't supposed to go, but I also felt like I should go preach the gospel. So what do you do? Well, we know the general command is going to all the world and preach the gospel, but you can't separate that from being led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, we see in the Word of God that Paul was going to go to a certain place, and the Spirit wouldn't let him. Oh, aren't those people important? Don't they need to be saved? Yeah, but you're not the one. You're not always the one. You're not the Savior. I'm not the Savior. So thank God she figured that out. You know, I, I got to hear from God. So he, he's, he's protection to all those who look to him. So here, here's, here's some keys to being led by the Spirit. Now look, the Holy Spirit can lead in a number of ways, and there's a whole bunch of ways that he doesn't lead. And people say he's leading like, and that, that ain't him. There, there are different ways that he does lead. There's a bunch of ways that he doesn't, and people say that he is. Here's the deal. Can God speak to you? Yes. Can he speak to you in an audible voice? Absolutely. It may happen five times or less in your whole life. That is not how he typically leads his people. He typically leads his people by this inward witness. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Verse 16 says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. There's one thing that you always have with you if you're born again. You've got a witness of the Spirit. Always. For every decision, for everything you're doing, you've got a witness of the Spirit. So that's why you get ready to do something, you check on the inside. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. So here's a couple of things that you have to keep in mind. If you want to just get real sensitive to that witness on the inside, number one, you have to respect the Holy Spirit. You have to respect Him. And what I mean by respecting Him, you don't go days without thinking about Him, checking in with Him. And notice I'm saying Him and not it. Holy Spirit's not it. So, well, man, it was it really moved in there today. Boy, I really felt I really felt it today. I mean, how blessed would you be if you if you walked through the door and say, "Hey, there it is! It, fi it finally showed up." Well, you're not an it. Well, you're a he or you're a you're a she. I mean, that purse is an it. That chair's an it. But you're not an it. You're a person, and the Holy Spirit is a person. He has personality. He has a will. He has, I mean, he has emotion, right? And so you have to respect him, and so you, you, don't, don't call him it. That Paul said it like this. I believe it's in uh, Hebrews 13. He says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. 
You can't have intimate friendship with a purse, but you can with a person. And so we must respect him. We got to respect him. Check in with him. And if you if you respect him, and you're reverent towards him, you will check in. Right? Yeah. I mean, you you just check in. So we got we got to we got to reverence him, respect him, and then here's a big one. And this one this one this one means everything. We must respond to him. We must respond to the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. We override so many times what he's, how he's leading us and guiding us because we're looking for something. If it was God, he would write it in the clouds for me. I would hear this voice. I'd get gooly bumps all over me. Typically, that is not the way he leads. Typically, it's just right down on the inside through that witness of the Spirit, you've had it happen. I've had it happen. You know, probably shouldn't be watching this. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you heard a voice, but just down on the inside, you know, shouldn't be watching this, or I shouldn't be buying this, or I shouldn't go there, or I shouldn't do this. I mean, we've had it, and we, we've overridden that. That's not smart. And so we must respond to him. And I want to get more and more sensitive to this. Well, how do you get more and more responsive? Respect him and respond to him. Respect and respond. Respect and respond. Even if it's something that just seems so, so minor. You know, if you're, if, you know, me and the family, we were going to head out to San Antonio this afternoon, but Tammy didn't want to drive that far, so we're going to go to the beach where it's going to be like 60 degrees high for the next few days. And so if we started off and we were just one degree, I mean, we were going from here to, to Alabama, and, and we're just one degree off. I mean, just one degree off. And if we, if we didn't change, I mean, we're just a little bit off, just a little bit off. Well, by the time we got to Alabama, guess what? We're probably not going to be in Alabama. And so it's important just though, even those things that we think are so small, so small, just those, those leadings, that, that prompting, that urge, that nudge, that whatever it is, obey. And then sometimes it's not a prompting, it's not an urging, it's not a nudge, it's a check. You know what a check is? Just something, it's, it, it's not that peaceful, easy. I don't like to use the word feeling and dealing with leading the spirit, but it's not that peaceful, easy feeling, that peace on the inside. It's like, ugh, ugh. That's not the Holy, now that is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit saying, uh-uh, don't do that. Don't do that. I, it could be a, a red light or a green light. Or it might be a yellow light. Slow down. You're moving too fast. And so just right on the, and so it's so important that we pay attention to that. We've got to respect him. We've got to respond to him. So how does God protect us? One way that he protects us, probably the biggest way he protects us is through leading us, guiding us. 
along the best pathway for our life, but you and I have something to do with that. Would you agree? Everybody say, God is good. He's good to me. I trust him. I believe him. I look to him for my protection. I look to him as my fortress, as my shield, as the one who protects me. Amen. You know, most mornings, I, well, I'll say every morning before I send the kids off to school, man, I'm, I'm quoting Psalm 91, right? It's a dangerous world out there. It's fallen. People make mistakes. But we have protection in him. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we magnify you. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you that you are our God. Y'all lift your hands with me and just thank him that he is your God. You're our God, and we look to you. And we don't have to be terrified, and we don't have to be afraid, because you are our good God. You are our good, good Father. An ever-present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for teaching us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen everybody. Well.